0: And welcome to the Glow Journal podcast, a conversation with the beautiful minds behind the world's biggest beauty brands. I'm your host, beauty writer Gemma Watts, and in this episode, I'm joined by the founder and chief creative officer of GoTo, BroTo and GrowTo, Zoe Foster-Blake. Any time that I get to pick Zoe's brain is an excellent time, but this occasion was particularly special as I'm able to share our conversation with all of you. Zoe Foster-Blake is the most respected voice in beauty in this country, with legions of fans both locally and overseas. Having grown up in a creative and, in her words, free-range household, Zoe has almost always known that she wanted to write, just not necessarily beauty. Her first professional encounter with a truly iconic beauty moment came when she directed Shannon Knoll and Guy Sebastian, pre-Australian Idol finale on a Smash Hits cover shoot. From Smash Hits, she moved into a role as beauty editor at Cosmopolitan and later beauty director at Harper's Bazaar. The belief that beauty requires kinetic learning saw her embrace digital, citing her first ever risky move as leaving her role at a celebrated print title for a new role online. 2014 saw the author and beauty editor combine her knowledge of what customers wanted with what actually worked to create GoTo, a skincare brand built on the innate trust between Zoe and her audience. There's a quote from this conversation with Zoe that really stood out to me. She says, "'I became very passionate about beauty in as much as I saw the connection it gave me to people.'" Now, it's almost impossible to pinpoint one specific thing about Zoe that makes her such a force in beauty, but I think that that quote almost sums up what is so magnetic about her. To Zoe, beauty is about connection. She has a genuine want to give value to people in a way that is honest and it's fun and it's without pretension. You can't forge a connection of any worth without honesty, and I sincerely believe that honesty and integrity are superpowers. Zoe is magic, and I hope this conversation captures a little piece of that magic. In this episode, which we recorded at Melbourne's QT Hotel, Zoe shares the products that are in their seventh year of development, the products she'll never make, The products she wishes she made sooner and the product she would absolutely not make again today. So we know you as a skincare doyenne, an author and a beauty editor, but before all of that you started life growing up on the New South Wales Southern Highlands. I did. Can you remember your very, very, very first memory of beauty?
1: um the, well f- beauty on whole would probably be mum was really low-key she had like one helena rubenstein palette ah. and a revlon lippy yeah. i remember the smell of the revlon lippy because she'd kiss me goodnight and i always smelt that yeah um and she was an amourish wearer Or yes. actually an a&a um, oh, okay yeah so yeah. those perfume associations were probably the strongest one me personally it was chapsticks. Like. The collection mm, just yeah. built and built and built. And that was my first little piece of beauty and identity and having something special that was just mine.
0: Yeah, I get that. I used to have Bonnie Bell lip glosses in my um, pencil case at school. Probably because Dolly told me to do yeah. it. So. <laughs> <laughs> Anything they told me to do, I was like, well, fine, I'm sure. <laughs> if that's going to get me a cool surfer boyfriend, then <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> perfect. So your father, David Foster, is a celebrated novelist. So, of course, correct me if I'm wrong, but I imagine creativity was kind of celebrated in your house?
1: Yeah, by force and boredom mostly because we, we didn't have a TV and there were a lot of us. Ah. Um, it was a blended family. So um, there was a lot of, you know, put on a play, clever for mum because then yeah. we'd spend the whole day you know, getting it together or putting on a dance. Mum was also an aerobics instructor back then. In oh, that's th- a cool job. Well, it wasn't her actual job. She she's works in the prison system and has for a long time in yeah. maximum security men's prisons, but she so would super get low them key, to a super low-key, relaxing environment. <laughs> yeah, still, She's still there in her 70s. Good God. And she used to teach them aerobics and then she'd come home and make us do it. So we had a very free-range, funny, on reflection, rurally-esque mm-hmm. upbringing Free range is a nice way. Of putting yeah, free it. range, no fences. You know, animals, cows, chooks, bees, all of that.
0: What did you think you were going to be when you grew up?
1: Uh, I thought it might have to do with writing. Probably, I wanted to be a cheerleader for a long time. Oh, didn't yes. really understand what they were, but had seen them in the movies and it seemed appealing. Yeah, um, and a dancer of some ilk. Same. Still Janet do. Jackson's backup dancer, preferably. Rhythm Nation, I know <laughs> of course. it was. Two or So yeah, there was there was loose ideas, but I I knew I liked writing mm-hmm. and it might head that way.
0: And it did. So and it did, yes. You finished high school, you went to the University of New South Wales and did a Bachelor of Media and Communication. Yes. I understand that around that time you started just applying for magazine internships.
1: Yeah, not till the end. Yeah. Mm, I think now probably People are a lot more um, pro and they get into that a lot. Like I didn't write for the uni paper or anything like that. I just did my work and I was trying to earn money at the same time to live. So I was like do my touch time and then get out of there. Um, So, yeah, we finished our degree and we were honestly told in our farewell graduation, you won't find a job out there. It's really tough. Cool. That's what you want to hear. Thank you very much. Yes. But actually in a funny way, that was a really good advice because when I hear you can't, you won't, I immediately go Mm -hmm. aggressively in the other direction. So I would go through the paper, this was the olden days, and <laughs> look for any job in any magazine. And there was like a sub-editor job at Ralph Magazine, there was a fishing magazine, a wine magazine. Super on brand. Super on brand. But I didn't have a brand. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, was, I was like 21 and didn't know who I was. I just knew I wanted to get in there. And that's how I got uh, my first mag roll at um, Mania, which is a little boys magazine. Yes. Five to seven years old. Why
0: magazines specifically? Why not another area of the media?
1: What was there though? Like yeah, there true. was only really mags and newspapers. This is in like the early 2000s. And apart from copywriting, which is another avenue I considered, um, I really actually wanted to do that. I thought, well, this seems like a way that I can write and be paid for it. Mm. I couldn't think of another way. There was no internet. No, none of that was really happening back yeah. then. Yeah. Hmm. And there wasn't that like entrepreneurial argue. spirit where everyone just has a job in their bedroom. Yeah, <laughs>
0: it's like it's easier now to just it, go. Yeah. I'm
1: gonna start. A I think business I'm gonna, business, gonna I put I makeup
0: on in my bedroom
1: and earn money from it. It's phenomenal. Yeah, I love that. But yeah, back then,
0: no, <laughs> no, not an option. So you mentioned Mania, which is yeah. sort of gaming for little boys, and then you moved on to Smash Hits. So rest in peace. Yeah.
1: <laughs> oh my god. It and was that was heaven. a real moment. Like we did the <laughs> we did the pop. Was it? pop idol what was it oh no australian australian idol yeah we did the cover with shannon noll and guy sebastian and i directed that cover shoot and it was two iconic
0: moments in hair as well the fro and (laughs) then the goatee or the flavor saver i think they were calling it no good no but yeah, full body chills.
1: That was funny. But I got to, you know, I, I sort of treated every magazine. I would take it for what I could. So I am a five year old boy underneath it. who okay. like, My favorite food group is birthday cake and I love yep. games and playing. So Mania was fun for that. I got a lot of toys and lollies. And then <laughs> smash hits. I got to interview like Ella Cool J and the Black Eyed Peas and like all of these musical people that I adored. Oh my God. Yeah. And so I think every job I was just like, well, I'm here. Yeah. Just have fun with it. Take what you can.
0: Did you have a vested interest in beauty at that point or were you just happy to be writing? Can you tell
1: I didn't? <laughs> no, I really didn't. <laughs> I had like one CoverGirl girl palette that was shimmery green yeah. and blue. And, oh, right. timeless. I know. And muster. I had a muster hair straightener mm-hmm. that I really spent a lot of money on. And I didn't wear much makeup. No, I had very thin brows. It was a terrible time for brows. But no. Even I,
0: I, I went through that. I, a boy told me I had a monobrow in year nine and I would oof. just wax them off.
1: Geez, those, com- those comments, they really stick with you. Well, the it? fact that I'm bringing it up now is. I know, I <laughs> bet you can't remember all the positive one. comments you received over the years, though, can you?
0: Oh, a little bit, I'm a bit. I'm <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, yes, so no, I I didn't read the beauty pages, I didn't know it was a job. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it was ludicrous to think that you could be a profession. And then it did become a profession. Yeah. So, you were
0: around. 23 that you were offered a role at Cosmo as beauty editor yes I read that Mia Friedman who was the editor at the time she just assumed that like most beauty editors you would eventually want to move into a magazine editor role but you told her you had (laughs) little to no interest in managing a team (laughs) yeah why was that
1: um well, it's a natural progression for beauty editors because you do learn the business side of the title as I mean, anyone who's running their own business, you've gotta know mm-hmm. how to do business as well as do content now. Um, yep. but sort of back then it was only the beauty editor that would be put in front of advertisers. And so it was a very normal line of career path. But it just didn't appeal to me at all because I saw editors and they didn't get to write anymore. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they got to do their Ed's letter. And and there was a lot of creativity obviously in putting a magazine together every month, but it just it just seemed like a staff management role. And I told her, under no circumstances <laughs> would I be doing that, which was confusing, I think, for her. Mm-hmm. But then I think she sort of, she was the one who ushered me into writing a book because she was like, well, this is a person who needs more writing. Uh-huh. Thought, Why don't just write a book then. Oh, she's very clever. On the weekends. then. weekends. <laughs> <laughs> I had already started a blog by that time as well. So, I, you know, ludicrously very very excited about writing yeah constantly before work after work weekends oh that's so nice though that's how you know you're doing the right thing <laughs> yeah it didn't feel
0: like work it was it was joyful oh that's heaven it was when you took that beauty editor role that then became beauty director and then you moved on to Harper's that you became this beauty authority that we know you as now mm. you've mentioned that you weren't a beauty gal so to speak before that so how <laughs> did your relationship with beauty change during that time
1: I think in a way that probably made, well, probably informed the connections I have with women to this day because I came in not knowing anything and I mm-hmm. was like, oh, this is a highlighter. I don't really know what it is. Let's learn together. So as a beauty editor, you learn on the job. I think people mistakenly sometimes believe that when you write beauty, you have to know everything about beauty. But mm-hmm. the truth is you're a journalist who is learning about something to then convey it to your to your reader or your listener. Uh, so, you would learn on the job. Like, I think the first launch, uh, first week, I got my hair cut by Jennifer Aniston's hairstylist who was visiting from the US, and I got like a whole kit of stillers, new makeup store. And I was just like, this is not real. Mm-hmm. This job is outrageous. And so, I learned on the job, but I never learned in depth too much about anything. You just learned little tidbits to be able to pass on. So, I became very passionate about beauty in as much as I saw the connection it gave me to people. Mm-hmm. I loved being, you know, at the dinner party and always being having something to offer people like yeah save your money just buy this this is the useful one this is the best one i love and i live full of recommendations i can't i just love them so much so uh, the recommending and the connecting was probably what was the thing that gave me the passion more so than actually writing about mascara Mm -hmm. you took the recommending
0: even further when you launched your blog fruity beauty in 2006 now Mm -hmm. 2006 obviously you know blogs existed social media existed to an extent in the form of like myspace which <laughs> yeah. I was very big on I was very good <laughs> at myspace but no one was really running or very few people were running businesses online so no. you just gone out and done this blog
1: and it wasn't a business in the true sense it was just a way that because I was finding that I had such limited space in the mag ...that I just wanted to go in depth... ...and I think that's the beauty of YouTube tutorials... ...and and Instagram and podcasts... ...is that beauty needs usual visual aid... Mm -hmm. ...and it needs kinetic learning... ...so you're doing it with them. And writing about lipstick on a page didn't always work... ...so I wanted to like do little videos and do photos... ...and and, um, write reams and reams and reams about a subject. And I was allowed to because it was my own blog... And um, I sort of had to be anonymous because it wasn't a um, Cosmo-approved blog. Um, Right. But it wasn't, you know, I wasn't writing anything scary. It was just fun (laughs) about, you know, blackheads or fake tan. But it um, gave me a good sense of discipline because I was writing every morning and to no one for a long time, Mm -hmm. but I just enjoyed it.
0: I was – well, I'm glad you said that because I was going to ask what you felt that a blog could give you that the magazine couldn't, but I guess
1: space space and freedom, yeah. (laughs) Space and multimedia. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And editing, the ability to update uh-huh. and edit, you know, because once it's in print, I'd always panic, I've got the name wrong, the price wrong, you're like something scares the shit out of me as a control freak. So to have the ability to go back in and go, I got that wrong, I'm going to change it. Sorry, Tate. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I get that. Um, did you start to get a sense, you've mentioned you were just writing to no one for the first <laughs> little bit, but did you start to have a feeling about digital? Did you have any idea that it was going to explode in the way that it has?
1: Mm. Well, I must have got a wink of – I must have got a whisper of what blogs were from somewhere. Yeah. I must have heard – like maybe it was the US Cosmo team had one or something like that inspired me to go. Because I started going, we need one as a magazine. It's not enough to just be print. Yeah. Like this pioneer. Guys, what about the internet? (laughs) And because at that time ACP was owned by 90% there was a lot of red tape and it was all just a bit too hard, which Mm -hmm. is why I ended up going independently. But, um, yeah, it started to take off and, th- and that's when blogging sort of started to get big, you know, around 2007 and 8 and um, Fruity was there just plodding along. But um, I can't remember the question. I've talked uh, it so was – no, you have pretty much answered oh it. Good. It was,
0: you Thank know, God. did you have a sense of what digital was oh, yes. going to become?
1: I, I, di- I liked – well, I could see the engagement. So yeah. when I started to get comments and people talking to me, the idea that I could talk back to people, almost, not exactly yeah, in real time, a like dialogue. Instagram, but a dialogue, yes. And that – in a a long roundabout way informed Amazing A Face, which then informed Go To because I had the feedback and I knew what women wanted Mm -hmm. or didn't understand because they told me themselves. Yeah,
0: I mean, it's the best way to find out. Yeah. You worked in magazines up until December 2014, if research serves, which is when you and yeah, right. your last column for Sunday Star. I had
1: a very small baby, and I was just not working anymore.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, of course, I forget that like children and family are also. <laughs> yeah. part children of it. and creativity do not always. I'm like, business. Yeah. There's nothing else. Print media obviously had changed out of sight since that first job at Mania. You've touched on how you were saying, like, come on, guys, the internet. But (laughs) other than you yelling that, was there a feeling amongst industry people that print was perhaps... Not at all. Really?
1: Well, I was sort of... Because I left Harper's um, to start Print. And and this was someone basically Mm. offering me, you know, creative control, infrastructure, money, a, a big, you know company that was very experienced in saying we want fruity beauty but as a business yeah and it felt crazy to say no to that yeah and it was the risky move and that was the first time in my life I'd made a risky move um to leave a really impressive title beauty director at Hubbard's Bazaar which was I loved the guys there and I loved the people and it was still the golden days of mags to go into digital but I I very quickly saw that you know at events and advertiser events I'd be up the table when I was at up the front, you know, and then yeah. I was way down the back with the kids' mags when I went to digital. Mm-hmm. Not the case anymore. But there was that transition period where, you know, everyone was still 100% putting everything into print and masthead and and um, digital was just seen as the poor sister.
0: Yeah. I mean, that was the case only up until a few years ago. Yeah, very at Fashion Week, so. I just vividly remember 2013. The Age did a full story on... Uh, what are influencers <laughs> and should they be at Fashion Week?
1: Mm. Some would say yes. If they would. <laughs> well, mate, I think it's, you know, if you want to talk about who belongs, if, if the idea is reach and yeah. engagement and connection, then it's whoever's got the most. So if it's a magazine, sure. If sure. it's a person, a single person with an Instagram account, mm.
0: sure. Could not agree with that more. Let's talk about the lead up to the GoTo launch in yeah. 2014. So you had spent quite some time trialling, reviewing beauty products, recommending yes. things, working out what works and what doesn't. At what point, though, did you recognise a gap and think, oh, I could fill this with my own product?
1: Wasn't wasn't me who recognised it. It ah. was... Um, I... A friend of mine, oh, it's a bit of a long story, but essentially a friend of mine, Megan Larson from Sadashi, she mm-hmm. and I are good friends and I love her products and I loved, you know, just having a wine with her and spitballing about products yeah. and what, what she's doing and what she, this is me, what she should do. I was <laughs> like, you know, it would be great. And she sort of laughingly said one day, well, why don't you do it? And I was like, don't be ridiculous. And um, she's like, well, you've got the... the platform you've got the following you've got the trust and I believe you know what you want and what you like until that point never had crossed my mind Hmm. so I'm always great for her for planting the seed and so am I yeah (laughs) I know who to thank yeah she's wonderful and um incredibly knowledgeable and she then gave me a formulator which I think was Uh.
0: key. Because okay, so without that, what do you got? I mean, it's the, the hardest thing. If there's one thing I've learned They're from like interviewing people. They're like gypsies and
1: wizards. They don't. They're Yeah. <laughs> They're hard to find. They're very, very talented and in demand. And we've had, you know, we've had a couple now. But Pete, who's the original, he's still with us and he's phenomenal. Oh, amazing. Mm.
0: Well, other than... Okay, so I was going to say what's next. But you've been recommended a, basically a manufacturer. but
1: Yeah, so... As in how to get the brand up? Yeah. yeah. So the idea is I was like, okay, what would it look like? I was like, what would this look like if I was to do a brand? And this was in 2012. So I, the products I was using then sort of informed what were the five mm-hmm. launch products, um, the basics. And I just – I knew because uh, Amazing Face had come out. Yeah. And not much – I mean, some of the feedback was from hair and skin, but I feel like there were two areas that women are – relatively confident in and there are plenty of youtubes about those nowadays yeah but skin is something that i think is just hard mm-hmm. and it, it, it was made hard because of you know going to department stores and feeling intimidated or going to a facialist and being told to buy 10 products and 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 it's closely tied to your confidence and if you're having a bad skin day that sort of informs everything so i just thought that it could be a lot easier and I knew what was marketing hype and bullshit because I'd sat through a million presentations yeah. myself and I knew what really worked. What well, all the beauty editors talked about, you know, behind closed doors mm. was like retinal aj antioxidants and so on and inflammation. Yes. So I, I was in a very lucky spot there to be able to combine the two, what customers wanted or needed and what actually worked. So I was, that was it. And fun, you know, I'd always done fun. I think beauty should be fun and I reject the notion of it being Serious and scary and intimidating and complicated and twelve steps and you know you do you but I, I think there's a lot of us, particularly in Australia, who just need the basics and it mm-hmm. goes back to my core love of recommending. They just don't want to know ten. They want to just know the fucking one. Yeah. What's the one? Mm-hmm. I want to buy the one that works. And so I like saving women time and money. That's that means and doing the nice groundwork for them. But isn't that what beauty editors do? Like, yeah, that was our job. That was our training. So yeah. Mm, you're doing a bloody good job of it
0: what were your non-negotiables other than you know it's got to be fun and it's got to work <laughs>
1: well that was all design and packaging and, and creative but yeah in terms of the formulas um, the other sort of little seed that was planted before Megan was um, a retailer had asked me to do a capsule collection of makeup. And, again, that was after Amazing Face. And we sort of going down the path and then they are like, so um, we're just going to send you the designs and they'll have your name on them. And um, uh-huh. I was like, and where are they being made and what are they and what's in them? And they were like, oh, you don't need to worry about that. Mm, I like, um, yes, I, I do. I argue that I do <laughs> <laughs> if I'm going to put my name on it and, and, and push it on people and put it on their face. Mm. And so that was, that was a hard no. But that really made me see that if I was ever going to make something, particularly because I knew I was going to be digital and it was going to be arriving yeah. in the mail... And girls didn't have a chance to go down to JJ's or whatever and test on their hand. That it had to be safe. Mm-hmm. And safe is probably what spawned our clean push because we called it safe. We we're like, it has to be bulletproof. You know, yeah. it, it cannot piss off the skin. Mostly at, at that back in 2013, it was because I didn't want to get returns and rashes and, and angry skin and people being upset with me because I'd made a product that made their skin unhappy. It mm-hmm. just was like, I would never. I would never allow that to happen. So we, you know, my formulator, Pete, was very well-versed in clean and natural and organic skincare. So that was why we did it, really as a self-protection mechanism, just going, if you're going to make people put things on their skin, make it really, really clean and safe. Mm-hmm. Just don't put anything there that could risk irritation. And now that is known as clean beauty. Yes. <laughs> but we didn't mean it back then. I mean, but at
0: the time, clean beauty was just smacking like a leaf on the front of the <laughs> well, product. Well, it was and health food going... stuff, wasn't yeah. it?
1: And that stuff's still going really strong, but... Clean has got marketing around it now, Mm. so it's a lot more popular. But yeah, we did it as a as a gift to our consumer to make sure that she felt confident using it.
0: I mean, self-protection is a really nice motivation. (laughs) Also that. (laughs) that. No lawsuits, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So you launched with five products and you've just said that the five products you launched with were kind of informed by what you were already using. Why those specific five products? Why a cleanser, body oil? Face cream, lip balm,
1: exfoliating wipes. The body oil I would definitely not launch now. Really? That was just because I was obsessed with them back then. You know, I, I love That's them. It's funny
0: that you wouldn't launch it now because I can't do fake town without putting that on my elbows and <laughs> knees first. It just doesn't happen without it. <laughs> yeah,
1: so there are a very loyal fan base of exceptional. But it's me. I'm yeah. leading the cult. <laughs> it's you. Great. But, um, yeah, I, I think it was, it was funny to launch it because I was like, it's a multi-purpose everything balm. That was from me who travelled a lot, yeah, and, and I always needed something on the go to do, you know, rough heels because they look gross, and mm-hmm. elbows and you know fake tanning and it could be in your hair or whatever. I even mix it in with my foundation. But oh, that's um, a fun tip. If I talk about essentials and what I think our brand does the best, which is simple mm-hmm. and uncomplicated, then. I my whole sort of MO is to get a full kit of go-to and I'm getting really close Mm. so when I travel it's just go-to and that's not because and you know I bring in my high strength serums and my masks and shit like that but in terms of your daily essentials that's that's where I wanted to get it before I started doing things like you know body oils or perfumes or you know whatever else that seem like less essential Mm -hmm. so but the other four 100% you know they're, they're the daily needs the SPF is let's not even talk about that. That's a <laughs> real beast. I,
0: this is when I wish there was a visual component <laughs> to the podcast. Yes. The eye roll. The
1: fatigue shows on my face. Yeah. yeah uh, Clean's SPF is genuinely impossible. Yeah. So we, um, we did launch our 15 daily in, in 2018 and we're still working on our high strength. I mean, I think it's – I steal
0: one of your quotes all the time. I think you said something to the tune of the best SPF is the one that you want to put. Yeah. That's
1: it. That's it. So – keeping that in mind, mm. we're still working very hard on it. Um, and, and it's about evolving. I think the fact that I launched a body oil in 2014 compared to launching one now, you know, in may- maybe in that five now it would have been, maybe it would have been face hero or mm. our oil cleanser, which are now out or a mask or something like that. But I sort of always make products that I personally want because I'm yeah. a selfish founder and, <laughs> and how I live and my skin is a certain dry type and I'm getting older. So hence the nourishing face oil that we just launched the, the cleansing mm-hmm. oil. But, um, we also recognise that there are a lot of customers out there that have, you know, oily or acne-prone yeah. skin. And so I have to get out of my own selfish head sometimes and go, why don't I make things for other people? Yeah, but well. still good for oily skin. Yeah, I know. No, it yeah. is. It's very balancing. But I in terms of like on. a lotion, <laughs> yeah. like our very useful face cream is, is probably got too much shea butter for a skin that's prone to congestion. Mm-hmm. So God, I'd recommend better. it to bloody everyone. <laughs> thanks,
0: Gem. My mother's travel agent te- <laughs> sent me a text saying, hey, sorry, um, <laughs> it's Melanie. <laughs> what face cream should I be putting oh, on? I'm good. like, this is a no-brainer. Oh, thanks, mate. That's that's my plug. <laughs> the rest of the interview I'll be really rude to Professional, yeah, great. <laughs> <laughs> so that was April 2014. Yes. Next launch was Face Hero in Feb 2015.
1: Yeah, and we had no idea how well that would go we really to the point where we didn't replenish we didn't make sure that we i mean we were very we were an embryonic company at that point yeah. um and we hadn't made sure that we had stock of every other product What we now know is that when people buy a new product they also grab a cleanser and a yeah. moisturizer and a lip balm as well and so we got to the brink of selling out on so many levels and face hero has been an absolute bl- blessing a dream Siri?
0: Who Siri? You? I don't trust Siri. I think she wants to be involved with everything. Everything. Mm.
1: Siri. <laughs> <laughs> um, she yes. wants to be a part of she it, does. I understand. But Face Hero was a dream to formulate. It was just one of those effortless ones that just, because as a rosehip fan, but I'm like, but rosehips, yeah, I mean, I've been down this path before. Yeah. Often rancid wonder by the time it gets to the consumer and it needs supporting antioxidants and we could just do better. Yeah. And every go to product is like, I like using this. What could we do to mm. make it a bit more useful? And so that that is still our gateway product and a huge bestseller. We sell one a minute. We sell like, good god, yeah. We sell one a minute, but we sell a transformazing every ten seconds. Uh, that
0: doesn't surprise me. It's
1: bonkers. Um, yes, yeah, so face hero really taught us a few lessons about business. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like be more prepared. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> putting it very diplomatically.
0: Yeah. So that was followed. I'm probably going to get the order wrong, but super handy pinky nudie lips transformazing face case. Is incredible. And then most recently, Fancy Face. Yeah. Oh, yeah. what did I do before Fancy Face? Oh, phase?
1: no, me too. You and me both. Oh. It's been wonderful, this launch, because it's, it's really cemented uh, the trust our customer has in us. Mm. I don't think a lot of our customers were maybe using an oil cleanser and didn't know what it was and were scared if they had oily yeah. skin. But they trust us to guide them. And I take that so – I love that so much because I take it very seriously. Of course. But um, I believe in the products and we work so hard on them that I know that they'll love them. So, yeah, I think we've elevated a lot of people's cleansing routine and we've given them much more nourished and clean skin because I, lo- you know what I love? Like yourself, SPF message. Like it's so hardcore these mm. days. I love it. Like everyone's talking about SPF. I'm a
0: bully. I uh, could probably rein it in but both. I just don't want no, to. No, and
1: ev- no one wants to holiday with me. My girlfriend is like back in like 2007, we're in Vegas. And they're like, get mm. shut up. Like we <laughs> yeah. can't have fun. And all you do is talk about SPF. But anyway, to my point, if you're wearing a lot of SPF, you gotta get it off somehow. Yes, you do, and that's my the second message of the SPF message, which is take it off properly with an oil cleanser. Mm. I mean, I physically,
0: I talked on Instagram <laughs> about how I had to hide it, but we <laughs> threw because I started on it at the start of December. Yes, you've got people over for Christmas and New Year's. I hid it in a different they do room. Doing in the cupboards, mate. Oh, everything's in the cupboards. <laughs> There's nothing. I'm oh, okay. You're sick. Everything's in the cupboards, and then in separate. Cleansers, serums, I like everything. Your nails. Oh, thank grown you. They are bit grown out. It's a SNS, and it's the pink that they use as know, the but base for like French. They're like
1: Rihanna length tips. It's so impressive. These are my can natural nails. Life. God, yeah. Guys, I mean, put a photo up, would you like? It's
0: my most frequently asked question. I'm sharing like useful How do you do life with long, long nails? I love the sound of nails oh, clacking on a keyboard. Very my partner hates it, but yeah, whatever.
1: No, it's exciting. He hmm. knows what you're working on. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Bless him. Good bloke. So a lot of products now. Are you constantly thinking about what's coming next? or are you? So kind many of, more. Oh, okay, so great. our NPD
1: is very slow. Yeah. Um, let's not talk about the high strength on <laughs> screen, six, seven years counting. But... We, because we're working with clean ingredients... ...and we don't have those stabilisers and synthetics... ...that make everything uniform and perfect... ...our product development... ...and I'm super fussy. And I don't care. Like mm. I want to be fussy. Yeah. And we've held back launches... on ...and, and I've changed tack at the last minute... ...much to the chagrin of the whole company... ...because I'm a person who's run by her gut... Like transformation was going to be a cream mask to begin with. Ah. And then I just had a 3am thought, no, it has to be a sheet mask because this is a mask I want girls to wear before makeup. And I think cream mask usually infers, not always, but before bed. Yeah, And the sheet mask, you know, you can do so much more with that serum base. But anyway, so those those moments um, are really important and that gut leads our NPD. So we have probably about seven or eight products slated Mm -hmm. but when they want to launch is when they want to launch so we would put it in for like one november november but then for whatever reason whether it's manufacturing or formulaic it's held back I
0: mean, it's the joy of not, like, announcing the Oof. deadline to everyone. Can't do it. No. It's
1: such a pest, though. Like, for the whole marketing team, they're like, can we please have a date? And we're there in the lab going, yep, yep, no, we promise we'll be ready soon. I just decided Any day I don't like the fragrance anymore. <laughs> so, And fragrance is a huge part of our brand. And mm. we have a small minority that, are like, can you do fragrance free? But I won't because, to me, it's so such a... Olfactory response Mm. to a product is so important for bonding and for ritual and for self-care and having that moment. And I think we're really good at fragrance.
0: I think you are too. But also, how cool that you were saying one of your first memories of beauty is of the scent of the products your mum was using. Yeah. How wild that in however many (laughs) years I could be asking someone else, "What's your first memory of beauty?" And they're like, "Oh, the scent of
1: yeah." My girlfriend does that. She's like, "It's my night. I know when I smell Fancy Face, it's time for bed." That's nice. Yeah, it's just like a little baby mm. that needs a routine. <laughs> <laughs> Aren't we all? You
0: have mentioned how what you guys do well is simplicity and how you do have your you know high strength this and that. Mm. What I love as a consumer about GoTo is that you can just integrate it piece by piece into an existing routine. Yeah having been a beauty editor for such a long time, was that some a decision you made consciously? I need to be able to just pick up this product, put it oh. into a routine and go for it. But I
1: can't believe there'd be any other way to do it. Well there are so many
0: brands now that are like, you need to use no. every product from our brand oh, or they won't work. Say that. I never
1: I mean our one of our core pillars is plays well with others. Nice. So we we believe that you do whatever you want with your skin. You go hardcore on your retinol and your vitamin A's mm-hmm. and your AHA's, but you're going to need barrier protection. You're going to need nourishment. So wear this sort of sweet, calming hug <laughs> <laughs> in your bathroom that when you've, like, had sunburn or you've got an itchy rash or you've been wind – you know, whatever it is, when your skin – particularly when your skin's being bitchy and upset, come to us. Use mm. face here and BFC, and we'll nourish you. So whatever happens – whether you go getting your fillers and your peels and your microdermabrasion, you're still going to come home and want to put something lovely and like a big blanket on your skin and that's us. That's not to say that we won't get into high strength later on down the track. Yeah. But for now we're very much building a, a little army of, of, of tools that you can use. Mm. Yeah, I mean you can actually use ours pretty much for the whole day now. We've got pretty much a full kit but um, yeah, bring in what else you need. But then I also think trust comes
0: into it. Like you're educating consumers on what an oil cleanser is, mm-hmm. they trust you on that. But you can't be like, "Hey, here's retinol" to yeah. someone who's never heard of it before, and be like, "Just
1: do it. Yeah, will no, be fine." Shit, no god. And I, they always want an eye cream, and I don't use eye cream, and mm. I don't really believe in them. And a lot of beauty just bring don't, it all the way up. Like, well, yeah, they're little expensive pots of yeah. moisturizer. So. I do believe in high-strength retinol eye serums. Yes. But I'm Distinctly not talking to you about those because yeah. that's not... So, yeah, your, your best chance is using SPF um, around, you know... Anyway, whatever. <laughs> so, I can't make a product that I don't use and believe in. Yeah, good. Which is why we won't do an eye cream. It sounds like <laughs> such a simple philosophy but I'm still... Uh. Oh, and when you see the work that goes into the MPD, like... And I always... I just think how could I go out to market and like really do like three weeks of press talking about a product that I don't really use or believe in? Mm. I can't. But
0: actors out. do that. I feel like there are people <laughs> going around You can everywhere. tell though, right? Yeah. I well, love the film. Well, <laughs> very much. A particularly Oscar's season. So the five years that followed GoTo's launch, in Australia you remained digitally native. Mm-hmm. You have mentioned that... You, you know kind of made sure all the products were safe because you didn't want to have to deal with <laughs> all of the returns, so on well, we, and so yeah, forth. Yeah, we wanted
1: to have a safe product for everyone, for the customer and for us. Yes,
0: of course. It's a, I mean, it's a win-win. Yes, For a lot of consumers, particularly those that are kind of using GoTo as their introduction to proper skincare, yeah. beauty is really tactile and they want to feel mm. it and they want to pick it up and play with it before committing to the purchase. Definitely. Why the decision to launch online? <clears throat>
1: Yeah. Well, I knew that's where my people were. Yeah. So the people who'd been following me f- through blogging or in, you know, even Instagram at that point, but I was pretty new to Instagram actually when we launched. But I and prepped actually. So I'd yeah. been a beauty digital person for about what is that 5 years by yeah. the time we launched. And the honestly, I think the idea of retail or distributors, distributors or a shop would have pushed me into overwhelm and I would have given up Mm -hmm. but to have a warehouse and a team just shipping it out seems completely achievable which is why so many young women can start a business because there's no barrier to entry you just need some basics and there's a whole industry that supports that now which is awesome so it felt achievable really Mm -hmm. but then as we grew and grew what I realized is that having that not control is not the right word but having that interaction from the customer from the first email, the auto confirmation, to how it arrives at them, I got to play with them and I got to teach them about our brand. Mm. So I, I say to the team, like, that shipper, that box you get, is our flagship store. It has to mm. give you the feeling of the brand as soon as you open it, the colours, the language, the delight the surprise, all of it, the gift has to be useful and, you know, on brand. So I think that was a really important connection and engagement with our customer was giving her that experience and I take great joy in it and still do. Everything you read when you get that box is from me. Yeah. It's the thing I won't let go of in terms of writing, but that 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 sense of fun, that was important. It is exciting. I still <laughs> get – I mean, it,
0: sound, it sounds like a real wank, but obviously I'm getting censorship. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But there are some where I go, ooh, yeah,
1: ooh, this is and exciting. And also, we keep it pretty mysterious. We only give you one about every year and a half. <laughs> so yeah, plain. but then way I, to build up intrigue.
0: But I shop, yeah. So yeah, that comes and I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah,
1: look at this. Mm. Yeah, mm. yeah. So good fun. I like yeah. to have fun with their consumer mm. and Groto. You know, Groto is staying digital, yeah. and that is a true delight. Like our team there is really building up. Um, You know, it's a different market, obviously, but we believe we're talking to the same mum. Yeah. You know, she's come along with me. She's now got young children. She cares about what she puts on her skin, so she probably cares about what she puts on her kids' skin. Mm -hmm. It's just um, that education, again, of how important it is to use the right stuff. Yeah, education. Mm.
0: So you're not just online now because you launched into (coughs) Mecca last year.
1: Yes, we were in US Sephora first. Yes, we were. That was a great learning curve Mm. and that probably made us – Keen to go into Mecca a bit quicker. Yeah. Because Mecca wasn't, I'm sorry, when I say Mecca, I really should say retail. So retail wasn't, yeah. you know, at the front of my mind. I knew it was inevitable. Yeah. But also, we were having such a great time, direct to consumer, there was no real push. Uh-huh. And we had been approached over the years, but it just never felt, it felt like more hassle than it was worth. And we wouldn't really get anything out of it, except yeah. for a touch point for the customer, which is why we'd do pop ups or the peach truck or things like that to go out and see the guys. Um, but, Yeah, so US Sephora kind of got us used to the idea of having a wholesale Mm. model and then when we made the decision of who to go with for retail in Australia, it's got to be best in field. Yeah, Joe Hogan,
0: our queen, our saviour. Yeah,
1: and uh, it's been incredible. Like Mm. our customer loves being able to go into Mecca and see the products and play with them and touch them and smell them and I think Mecca is a wonderful very, very in in key with us. Educational, fun, taking delight in beauty, treating it as a beautiful little moment, mm. rather than you know, say in a department store getting lost among a million other things and legacy yeah. brands and established like things that are just like we would be, we would not be looked after. It's in there. just a bit intimidating. Yeah. as Yeah, well. and it's it's kind of going full circle from what I was trying to avoid when I launched the brand, which is being stuck in a department store and not knowing what to do. Mm.
0: So yeah. I'm going to save the US for a little bit because I have a number of questions okay. on that. <laughs> on, I mean, launching into retail with Mecca, you were saying it wasn't part of the plan from day one. On plans, <laughs> you said to this sweet, beautiful angels at the Daily Talk show <laughs> about how you aren't really a five-year plan person. You're more a believer that as long as you're doing good work in this moment, like that's what's important. Yep.
1: Is but that difficult <coughs> when you've got a team? A team? Yeah. Yes, and a board, yes. Right. It's got to be the most infuriating thing to have a founder and a mm. CEO. say, so it's like, um, guys, I'm just going to go off my gut. <laughs> but I mock it, but it's true. It's, um, it is about the work you do today. It is about every email and every hour and every decision and every, every opportunity and every engagement you choose to make with your team or your mm. customer. I think that sets you up for the next bit. Yeah. So whilst we definitely need plans in terms of product rollout, you know, for the sake of manufacturing and packaging and so on, what how that comes to be is is led from what I believe to be the right choice for the brand, and that mm-hmm. is a lot of pressure. But I've I, I try not to see it as scary, but a privilege. Yeah. Um, to steer that ship and to now that we have retail partners, I guess there is an added. Um, element which is they are looking for newness and they are looking for particular products like they say oh this category is really growing in store would you guys ever do one and there might be me going oh you know we weren't thinking about that as the next launch but if you really think that that you know, because I, I appreciate their experience mm. and they're they're in there every day. They know what's selling, what the customers are asking for. So yeah, it's it's going to make me a bit more fluid. But in terms of five year plans, impossibly, like well, things didn't exist. Like, <clears throat> yes, exactly. I mean, technology by itself is. I, I mean, we we sort of thought maybe we'll sort of head into China. Whoa, no, <sighs> just not, just so not, just such a big, big, big market that we've got no idea about. Uh, yeah. I mean, and then you go, well, what would be our next natural market? And then I'm like, no, we have so much work to do in the US. Like Mm. uh, one of the the things I believe in is fewer things better. Do two markets and do them really well. Yeah. And then think about the third market. Like I don't grow, we're not growing for the sake of growing. Yeah. We're growing at the right pace for us because we've just jumped a massive chasm from small to medium sized business and that was fragile, you know. We're betting in all these new stuff and... And going into retail and and it was tricky to navigate. I think we've come through it now and I'm really proud of our team and and we're big, Um, but we're close. We we know our purpose and that's way more important than like scaling for the sake of it. Mm. You are big now,
0: but still a niche brand in the grand scheme of things. So I would imagine that that kind of day by day... yeah. yeah. (laughs)
1: It's gone from four to 40.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But I imagine that maintaining that kind of taking things one decision at a time approach would be a lot easier in that environment compared to if you were, mm-hmm. like, part of a multinational. Oh, yeah. What would you say are some of the other va- advantages, sorry, of being
1: Small. niche? Yeah. Um, nimble. Uh, so, we're agile. We can um, respond quickly to mm-hmm. things. We can launch, you know, when we have these big gaps between products, we can launch blitzes or limited edition like little travel sets and things like that and that's a litmus test for us to test with our customer if she wants it yeah before we go into full scale production um you know doing things like beauty boxes like mm-hmm. um, ipsy and so on in the states that's a huge sampling opportunity for us and it's an, a channel that we've never even considered and has been amazing for us so things like that are always going to pop up and to be able to be nimble is really important mm-hmm. you know duck and wave. Launch a kid's brand if you feel like it. (laughs) Why not? It's that easy. Yeah, it's
0: so easy. (laughs) Got an idea? Do it.
1: (laughs) So simple.
0: So back in 2003 when Mia Friedman assumed that you had dreams of being the editor of a magazine and you were like, I don't want to manage a team.
1: And you kind of are now. You've got a business. I know and I didn't mean for that to happen. But what I have got is excellent people. Working you with do, me. yeah, I do. I have my marketing director, Leone. I have my managing director, Brad. I have a really experienced marketing team mm. who are just guns. They're great. Yeah, they're great. Mm. They get the tone. They've made it their own. Um, I have, you know, a whole formulations team now. We've got art. We've got design. We've got warehouse. We've got logistics. We've got grown ups now. Yeah, and that was a part of the. The leap was—I I so believe in everyone's got a superpower. Guess what? Mine's not managing people or logistics. It would be <laughs> writing, surely. It be, it's well, I'm the CCO, so yeah. It's literally, my job is to be creative, to do, to be creative, <laughs> yeah, in the marketing, and so NPD, of course, but also launches and big ideas. And what are we going to do with to next year? Let's do something really amazing. And what are we doing? Blah blah blah. So that's that's my fun and my joy and my delight in my role. But it's having the people in there, mm. hiring the right people to look after people
0: your job is of course to lead the creative but do you think that you have strengthened that kind of business management ish muscle at all yes great it's, you
1: can't be in business for seven years without that happening <laughs> um, imagine. but a lot of it would just happened last year you know when we went through this growth um and and up at a board level you know where i've got you know, where it's shareholdings and it's it's um, governance and it's admin yeah. and it's budgets and it's big boring shit like that. all sounds like fun. That. Oh, my Woohoo. God. Can you imagine me there? Like it's an ongoing joke that like they've got 40 minutes of my attention before I just start doodling. <laughs> I get some of my best work done in that though. Do you believe – I believe with creatives, sometimes when you're given a boring task, I come up with some of my best ideas. That's why I like off. airports. Yes. Thank you. Mm. And planes. Yes, yeah. exactly. So when I'm told to talk about numbers, I secretly write emails to myself about – Cool mm. marketing executions and names of products, which are my hardest thing to come up with. But they always come when I'm in a boring meeting or when I'm going for a walk with my child in the pram and I'm not thinking about the task.
0: Oh, because otherwise you're thinking, thinking about, about the task. Yeah, <laughs> or
1: talking about like Batman. That's the perfect time to be <laughs> yeah, exactly. thinking
0: of product names. On product names, and you've also mentioned, of course, the packaging, part of the appeal, product efficacy aside, <laughs> is that voice. Mm which sounds like your voice. Yeah, well it, which, it started as just me. Yeah. Mm. Something that is of interest to me is it just sound, it, like it just sounds so meta <laughs> the thought of you training up a team of people this is my voice <laughs> and now you are going to write in this But not exactly tone. the same way. Not exactly no. the same. Make it, it a little through, bit different but took still me through impress the process because I'm
1: just Yeah. Yeah. Well again the first people First step is hiring people who can write. Yes, uh, one would you, hope. But it doesn't matter what style of writing they are, they just have to be. So we get, we get you know, when we hire, we get formidable CVs, people with mm. reams of experience, but they don't have that. Um, there's a little bit of magic in there that I can see. Yeah, okay. And so I might have to hone them a little bit, like stop exclamation marks being used so much, or just tiny little tweaks like that that are tone lessons. And that was for me from going from kids to music to glossies, mm. I had to, Constantly, my editor was going, oh, we don't use exclamation marks in Halperts. (laughs) Oh, God, can you imagine? (laughs) So it was a real lesson in tone. But I think a good writer should be able to do lots of different tones um, as part of the training. So, yeah, so basically I, you know, I trained up one or like Jess, our marketing manager, years ago when she was doing social. And then she sort of trained the girls through. Mm. But I I like it now because I want the brand to stand alone apart from me. So I don't want people to have to know who I am to know about the brand. It should stand on its own two feet. And the tone should just be and but also my tone as a as a writer evolves. So I probably mm. don't write as much like the go to voice anymore. Right. And that was interesting when we were doing grow To and mm-hmm. even we you know, redoing Bro to is going, Who is this person? How do I who is like and just getting to that deep 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 dive space of going, Who's this person? How do I write for them? Because it's not the go to voice. Yeah. It's a whole new brand. Mm.
0: People are uh, just on that, people realise that Bro to the, the formulas are the same as yes the, it oh, started as a joke okay yes.
1: yeah so bro started as a father's day joke and then accidentally sold incredibly well um, yeah we knew a lot of guys were using go to yeah can so confirm. we jokingly said but how terrifying to have peach in the bathroom mm. particularly for a single male you know oh my <laughs> Nightmare. god um so we did the gray but we're in the middle of redoing it in a really breathtaking fashion Oh, that's exciting to give it the respect it deserves because it's A fantastic range for men. It is. It just hasn't – like the tone and everything was done under that guise of a marketing joke. (laughs) So now it needs to be redone in a way that's respectful and fun and talking to the customer in a way that we talk to the go-to customer Hmm. because it's a different person. I'm
0: just glad I have a soundbite on that now because I have had (laughs) arguments with people being like, no, 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 it's a different formula. (laughs) It's for men. And I'm like, oh, because men have – not skin, oh, they have something
1: different. My mistake. Okay, yeah. Perfect. That said, the fragrance is different in the UFC, yeah. but that's it. The formulas are the same because mm. skin is skin. I it think is. when you're getting to, you know, beard oils or razor shit, of course, it's yeah. different, but we're not dealing with that. <laughs> Thank <laughs> Christ. So that voice uh, that I've just, you know,
0: detracted from for a moment for the <laughs> bro-to conversation, that voice to me feels inherently kind of aussie like the whole sentiment of holy shit you look amazing it's universal Mm. but it just feels like australian vernacular
1: yeah bit Mm. larrikin-esque yeah yeah
0: launching Mm -hmm. into sephora in the u.s last or 2018 sorry like do they
1: get it how are you going about educating them yeah had to turn the dial down on the swearing that's for sure um They like it because it stands out. Mm. So we do still use "Holy shit, you look amazing" right. on tote bags and, and paraphernalia and so on, and with the editors and they love it and think it's outrageous. Yeah, but um, we yeah we haven't had to change it too much because it just actually gives us a point of difference in a really 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 noisy market. Mm. So we're not we're not the earnest clean gang and we're not the you know legacy brand and we're not the supermarket brand drugstore brand we're sort of in this nice little gap in the middle where we have the quality of product that could be a lot more expensive and could sit in the fancy stores but we're available somewhere very Mm. accessible Sephora um so yeah it's it's again it's education and I think our biggest challenge in the US is to get those thousand true fans and to get that loyalty because I don't have the platform there that I have here I have to work harder for it which I like I like a challenge I love doing media over there because the media is about the products yeah not my personal life Mm. (laughs) nothing else it's just let's talk about the skincare um so I relish that challenge and and it's a good one so yeah what we're now doing is building that loyalty and working with influencers which we don't do here and that's mm-hmm. been so useful i mean duh who would have thought but yeah it's like fantastic you just get these women who are just your best advocates
0: i imagine influencers will be a part of your answer to this but what have you found to be the big differences between the way the u.s approaches beauty and business yeah as opposed to australia
1: probably look i've, I've got the priv- i've got a lot of privilege but the main privilege i had when i came into go to was having had I went in with a following, I went in with yeah. masthead experience, I went in with a, book, a beauty book that mm. lots of people had read. So I had the trust and um, probably a profile to, to, to sort of get a pretty good kick from the outset. But of yeah. course, if this product stinks, it's not going to last so um, we haven't had to rely on influencers here. What we do instead is gift for the sake of gifting. Like yeah. We want everyone to try it and we believe in the quality of the product. we stand-up. They want to talk about it, they will. In America, very different. I don't have that platform. So as I was saying, yeah, using those influencers. And we found that the girls and guys between, you know, 10 to 50,000 are the sweet spot because mm-hmm. they're really good at content. They're really in-depth. They're really engaged with their followers and they do incredibly in-depth explanation to yes. the product which is what we want to do yeah so it's been just for fancy face alone mm. amazing well it's not enough to just go picture this cleanser yeah it's not a, it's not a picture product it needs a video yeah which mm. is what i did one <laughs> which yeah. i never do
0: <laughs> that was great though Oh, thanks. Was, i really <laughs> liked what Michelle from uh, Shameless did. Just sh- <laughs> yes, <me too. laughs> her the first go of the product. Like, yeah, this is great. We've had
1: a lot of friends, like a lot of mates online just do the whole thing and film it. Yeah. Which is outrageous. I just I'm so grateful because and the mask is another one that people like to show doing. I gift That's that to every bride. Oh, every bride and yes, their bridal should. party. For the one for the morning of the wedding one for the morning after. Yeah, essential. Yeah. So yeah, that education, that is that was always my thing mm. with beauty editing. It was just talk them through it yeah make them really understand because with competence comes confidence and that's key
0: how have you found the experience of kind of letting go both with having it in the US and also the fact that you are based in Melbourne go to HQ is in Sydney
1: sure is Uh, although I'm up there about twice a month at the moment anyway Mm -hmm. um all my teams down here so it's it's Sometimes good and sometimes bad. I am a micromanaging control freak. Um, Just ask my marketing director. (laughs) Um, But the letting go is critical because it's using me for my best superpowers, which is the top line stuff, the, the, the big picture stuff, not the granular, which is what I was getting down to before we moved into getting more staff. I was in touch with every single aspect of the company from the warehouse guys to the production guys to the formulate guys to the marketing guys and it was starting to make me fall out of love with the work. Right. And I mean, I'm surprised I'm still here because I get bored of things really quickly (laughs) and um, that's why I write books because it's a new thing all the time. But GoTo constantly challenges me and that's why I'm still very, very passionate about it and haven't lost any passion. In fact, it grows and I love – like Fancy Face was a real – very validating to have these beautiful women write these comments about, look, you could tell me what anything and mm. I would trust you. I'm not to be gross about it, but that's me going, okay, well, we've, we've earned that. We've built yeah. that up over years because we're doing the good work. So um, letting go is tricky, but it's important. The US, like I head over there, I'm about to head over there and do – almost two weeks because we have to build those relationships Mm -hmm. and, you know, rethink retail and how we are going to do it and what's happening over there. It's a funny situation over there at the moment and it really needs some investigation because retail is a bit tricky at the moment there. Mm -hmm. Um, But DTC will always be strong and affiliate programs over there are really strong too. Oh, yeah, I
0: forget about affiliate
1: programs. they're really, really good. And it's an everyone win situation. So very happy to do that. But it's FaceTime. I've got to go over there.
0: Yeah, I get that. You touched on how you have, obviously, a profile here and not one in the US. Having a profile here, does that – I need
1: a sex tape, don't I? I need I to was get just,
0: famous. Well, I <laughs> was just thinking that watching Dancing with the Stars because I was like, I would kill this show, but I'm not a star. So
1: <laughs> there's one part of how the – How do we change that? Yeah,
0: I I think sex tape's the only way to go. <laughs> Having that profile here, though, does that add any pressure or are you pretty like immune to that now when you're releasing a product?
1: Uh I think what I do feel is a huge um, – the huge privilege of having a massive billboard yeah. to talk about my products. What did we do – how did we talk about products before that? You you had to rely on the media to do it, yeah. right, and act as the middleman. It was completely in their power. Mm-hmm. And now we get to talk directly to the consumer. And that was what – I got so excited about blogging because having that direct line is – I can't. it can't be around forever it's too mm. good to be true yeah
0: I often think that yeah <laughs> I'm like this is too good Yikes.
1: yeah so I love it and I love um building up the excitement and then talking them through it so yeah f- for me um I don't even remember what the question was now but I, it was really important oh it was about pressure and <laughs> oh yeah no sensitivity. no no I just get delighted I get so excited mm. and whenever I'm building a new product I think about the Instagram post and when I'm just thinking about a new market or a new retailer mm. or something I always think about how would this look when I tell my people about it and what would the excitement be and what would their questions be and does it seem like it fits? Does it seem out of character? Why? Explain it, justify it, you know. Mm. So I feel beholden in a way, but also like confident enough now that I know what I'm doing. Yeah. I'm infallible, I'm, I'm human, I'm gonna fuck up, like it's gonna happen. <laughs> but um, in terms of the brand, uh, it's a huge it's a huge luxury to be able to just stand there and yell about it. Yeah. On Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> Stand there and yell about it. It's a nice
0: strategy if Instagram <laughs> dries up. Just yeah,
1: to get out in the street, busking license. I and mean, if it does, all go to shit. And it might, you know. I, I, doubt I mean, that, I'm so not a TikTok person, but I think it's knowing your best social media channel and just feeding that, I rather feel than trying too to be good old at everything. For TikTok. Well, if I you do. I'm definitely. I'm about fifty-six. So. My
0: ten-year-old cousin tried to teach me over Christmas, and I was like, "I'm." See,
1: that's everything. Ten. God. I just, yeah, but I had a
0: throbbing hangover, and she's like, "Let's do this." T-. Anyway, <laughs> it's not about me. This is a beauty business podcast, not a TikTok podcast. So obviously, I think it's I it think is it's important
1: to go. Don't be on TikTok just because everyone else is. Yeah, for sure. But that's observe. how I feel about YouTube. I don't yeah. have
0: the personality for YouTube. I Are you sure? Yeah, I tried it years okay. ago, and I got called the Bernard Tomic of beauty because, oh. in um, air quotes. You're very good at it, but it very much seems like you hate it. And I was like, these oh. are just my voice.
1: <laughs> oh, that I wouldn't say that at all. Yeah. Great. you got to let go of these negative comments. Yeah, I know.
0: Driving your career. <laughs> YouTube's not for me. Start a podcast. <laughs> yeah,
1: that, That's good. That's better. Yeah. yeah.
0: Away from beauty, obviously you're an author as well. I feel oh. like kind of everything you've done has sort of led to to go to in kind of a lateral way Mm. you signed a two book deal in 2007 and your first work of fiction air kisses was published in 2008 yes any lessons you've learnt from writing fiction that you find you apply to other areas of your work
1: oh no it'd be the opposite I think (laughs) fiction is like this sacred hallowed thing that I never get time to do Mm -hmm. and I haven't done since you know before sunny almost I think um, so five years and I'm just about to embark on again. And to sustain a narrative for 100,000 words is really hard and I feel rusty. So I don't – I'm doing it for the joy of it. I'm not doing it for any other reason, mm. um, which is a good because there's no pressure. But um, it's something that – it lives in its own little world. Whereas business, go-to, family, everything yeah. else sort of mixes in together. What I do start doing, though, is listening extra close to friends' conversations at dinner and stealing stories, names, you know, important stuff that I need to put in the book. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. No, it's not. You (laughs) just got (laughs) to change the... No, it's fine. You just got to change the names. What Dad taught me, one of his greatest lessons was just change one key characteristic that they're really proud of. So, he goes, if you've got a friend that, like, never wear jeans, put that character in jeans. Oh, they'll never know. No, but it's weird. Like, with air kisses, (laughs) there were a lot of friends in the biz in that book and they didn't you know, whatever. Oh, Maybe that's they do. fine. fine. But yeah, or change their hair colour. You know, if they're a devout blonde, just make them a brunette with yeah. a fringe. Uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> Looking Such at Gemma. <laughs> yeah, no. So fiction's great fun, but it's very different to everything else.
0: Yeah. How do you find the process of writing fiction differs from writing non fiction, say like Amazing Girlface? Oh,
1: non fiction feels like writing columns for a magazine or essays. Right. You know, it's it's bitsy, it's um, short fast paced little blobs of, of content yeah. that I find easy to write but narrative fiction is tricky you
0: did mention that you haven't really written fiction since before Sonny was born mm-hmm. but you have written non-fiction mm-hmm. how do you or do you compartmentalize between like okay I have to write a book now when you've got this brand Yes,
1: so that comes down to – well, I classically wrote books on Saturday mornings because there was no email and I had, it was quiet time and I probably will get back to that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll just ask my darling husband to take the kids out for a few hours and I can get a lot done in a few hours because writing a book through the week has never really worked for me with fiction until mm-hmm. I, unless I'm on deadline. Um, but like I said, this one, I'm not on a contract. I'm, I've gone no, that's off. Nice. Yeah, I'm just writing for the joy of it. So like to to furiously bang out – three thousand words on a tuesday morning doesn't quite feel right it needs to mm. feel luxurious in a way so i don't know i'll find the time and i'll get into flow soon enough but oh, yeah flow is a good thing
0: it doesn't happen much <laughs>
1: <laughs> but yeah I, I i need to turn off my i need to turn off wi-fi to write mm. properly.
0: airplanes but they've all bloody got it now oh, I, I just it. ignore it yeah. yeah i've
1: deleted the app <laughs> yeah airplanes i should just fly actually i wrote no one likes a fart on the plane i think Writing, I should I should just fly around the world. <laughs> I mean, it's interesting. Of all of the
0: subjects you could have written about on a plane,
1: mm, that that's the mm, one
0: mm. Let's not going to. No, that. I think it's probably Disgusting. for the best that we don't. <laughs> it has been a good seventeen odd years since you started writing Beauty for Cosmo. In that
1: time, how do you think the beauty industry that's has changed? A long time, exponentially. Gemma, it's <laughs> the fact that we're on a beauty podcast is telling. Mm. So back the then, fact that people listen to it yeah. is even more telling. But it's. Uh, the Part of the reason I wrote Air Kiss is I was so pissed off in a really stupid and entitled <laughs> way that as a 24-year-old pretty editor no none of the movies, none of the books, none of the TV shows were about beauty. It was all fashion. Mm-hmm. It was Devil Wears Prado and it was, you know, the, always the girl in the rom-com worked in the fashion industry yeah. as a journalist. And I couldn't believe, you know, this completely crazy job where you got sent nail polishes to try and taken out to lunch and dinners and go to parties and everything um and that was an actual job that you got paid to do Mm. so that's why i wrote air kisses going hey guys there's a whole world out here look at this quite amazing um but now yeah the growth of skincare in particular in the last few years and i do put it down to social media and the ability for people to see and watch you know youtube tutorials Mm. and there just wasn't that before so the information and the education is out there the no barrier to entry means that anyone can have a brand and start making you know a brow Mm. pomade from their kitchen So – and and it's great. It's really egalitarian, you know, Only the best will win. Hmm. Um, But, yeah, it's – I don't know if it's going to burst. I feel like most things have to burst eventually.
0: Yeah, I think that, but I also don't like to – But also people are always
1: going to have to wash their skin, right? Yeah. So I think we'll probably do this thing where we all get – you know, we all went 12 steps and then we all did this, but we'll always come back to the basics. Yeah. SPF and cleansing. Mm.
0: the loves of my life, what do you think we can expect to see from the beauty industry in the next few years?
1: I think tech, from all accounts, tech will start to interrupt it a lot more in terms of customisation, personalization. The idea of buying a palette that's not completely catered to your eye colour mm. and eyebrow shape, for example, might be moot in a few years. But the that idea and AI and, and, and bringing more of that in, that doesn't really resonate to me. Yeah. I still... You know, I learn most of my tricks and products from getting my makeup done. Yes, I. You know, oh, and I can't recommend like just going into store and getting someone to do your makeup and learning what colours actually suit you and that sort of thing. So that that's one thing I always recommend. But I, I, I can't say for sure. I mean, I think as a manufacturer and as a company, what we've seen are the huge changes are, you know, transparency of ingredients and, and being clean and people wanting to know what they're putting on the skin but also in terms of packaging and as a company and our responsibility is in sustainability in the circular economy, which is a huge challenge for us and one that we're working on very quietly and hard um, because our customers want it. Mm. And these younger generations, the same guys that will go out and march for the climate, yeah. are the ones who want to make sure that what they buy and where they choose to spend their money are with a company that they like and they respect. And I think GoTo has an ability to be that mm. for them because we're already doing the right products, now we just have the challenge and it's the part of the supplier issue of making sure what we put it in and its end of life is where it needs to be. Mm. Jesus, so stay tuned, it's, it's a monster. Mm. And it doesn't happen overnight and I do get a bit no, frustrated when people does. are like, you know, why isn't you packaging this? And I'm like, guys... We've been working it for two years and it's going to be more, Yeah, you know, because until the PNGs and the Unilevers of the world make those huge supply chain changes, the tech doesn't often exist Yeah, because you need those millions of quantity orders that they put in for then the little guys like us to come in and go, great, we'll also get that technology. Thank mm. you. <laughs>
0: oh, God. It's, uh, yeah.
1: It's so a that that's a whole new thing. We could do a whole podcast exist. on that. <laughs> like five years ago when you launched a product, you didn't ha- have to think about that. Yeah. Now we consider everything. The ink we use on our shippers, it's all, you know, everything's recycled, recyclable. I feel much better at night doing that. Mm. It's a real consideration. As a parent and as a person in the world trying to do the right thing. And when you have a company and you're putting all this plastic into the world, you want to make sure it's the right plastic. A
0: person in the world trying to do the right thing. Yeah. You can't really ask for much more <laughs> than that. So... Go To, Bro To, Grow To, mm-hmm. television show, two children, mm-hmm. something to the tune of ten books, which are also kind of also. Another one out also. this year, yes. <laughs>
1: oh, yeah, that's no, exciting. No, yeah, I know.
0: My final question. <laughs> what is next for Zoe
1: Foster-Blake? Just more of this, I reckon. Um, I – yeah, a lot of backlog product that are excitingly coming out and that will really push us into – go to into a very full offering, I think, for skincare. Um, which is lovely uh, Yeah, as I said, I'm going to get stuck into a new book And I'm excited about that I really, really am So that and just, you know, my son started school And just being a mum and travel And just all the things that I'm lucky enough to do, really oh, How lucky am I? I get to write books <laughs> and make peachy skincare products And hang out with my kids It feels ludicrous, but I feel, I feel really lucky That was Zoe Foster-Blake founder and chief creative
0: officer of go to, who you can find on instagram at zoe they say and at go to skincare to read my interview with zoe you can visit glowjournal.com and for more beauty news you can find me on instagram at GemKWatts watts or at glow.journal if you liked this episode please do not forget to subscribe rate review and share so other beauty and business lovers can find us i'm Gemma watts You've been listening to the Glow Journal podcast and thank you for joining me.